Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody that's right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed! And England win on penalties! History in itself! You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Oh, it's a quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No he's in the fucking resources. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Or something like Hello and welcome to episode 257 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined by Tom Kennett. I can't slag off Jack or Alex today. They both were willing to pod, but we figured as it was the international break, we won't whinge about England again, or I won't whinge about England again. Um, we used to pride ourselves on being the only podcast, and I still think the only podcast, that properly covers sport, both in England and America. So we're going back to our roots today. Um... Alex and Jack don't have much to contribute, no insults there, uh, when it comes to NFL, NBA, boxing, UFC, that kind of thing. So we figured we'll uh, let them have a week off and uh, we'll get into all things football first, UFC, boxing, NFL, and then we'll see where we go. News of the week, though, is still there and it has been a busy week. Oh, God. Um, we'll start as we mean to go on. Um Jeff Bezos threatens to push Leo DiCaprio off a cliff after viral video shows actor talking to his wife. <laughs> have you seen this video? Yes, I have. His wife could not look any more like... He's got to take it up with her, because Leo, for his part, looks like he's going, oh, come on, love, what are you doing here? The way... She's just... He's looked after, I feel like... I don't know how long they've been married. I don't know if they've had, like, the whole past discussion before, and she's mentioned Leo... Because well, he's not long been with her, is he? Because he obviously divorced his wife. Well, she got oh, half yeah, the money, yeah. didn't she? All right, that's even more threatening. Than that. Yeah, she's she knows what she's doing. I mean, yeah, she should at least make sure she's uh, married and all that business first. But I imagine his prenup this time I mean, is like. Let's face it, Leah's probably saying, "Look, love, <laughs> you got to be ten, fifteen years younger <laughs> maximum." <laughs> uh, I've brought it up so many times, but actually seeing the one time the graph of his date for the Academy Awards each year and as his age goes up the age of the models goes down but like the trajectory was like as he went past like 35 like the age was like going like off a cliff down like some of them I don't think were able to drink at the ceremonies oh god um in and among that world uh Joe Rogan says he's flexible enough to perform fellatio on himself that would be the worst JRE episode ever. <laughs> Do you think when you podcast as much as he does, shit just like just comes out of your mouth? Because yeah, yeah, for sure. Like we we've had it before where you spoke on here, and then as you're saying something, you think I don't really know why I'm saying this, 
And then you're doing some in his case sometimes like three a day. Yeah, yeah. Podcast, not. I think his. Yeah, driving. <laughs> I don't know. He might be doing that. Yeah, his thing is it seems like he's just because of this whole vaccine thing. Quotes are being taken from him more and more now. Where once upon a time he was kind of just free to do what he wants. Now it's getting spoken yeah, about a little bit more. Because we always, you know, we always knew this was a guy just freewheeling, saying what he wants, really. Yeah, because I, I remember um, for the first time in a while when I'd seen him get any real heat was on the back of um, Joey Diaz yeah. saying that um, he'd love to uh, sniff Mackenzie Dern's crack after <laughs> she'd just had a fight. And he wasn't even on a podcast, but it was like Joe Rogan's friend, Joey Diaz. Yeah. And I would imagine if I'm him and I'm under heat, just get Joey Diaz on your show and you're just going to look like a normal human yeah, being you're look immediately moderate. after. Yeah. There's, there's a page on uh, TikTok and... I do find that I resisted getting that app for so long. And I mean, I don't make TikTok. I put some clips from the podcast up on there. Um, but it is, and I would see people say about, you can just go on like a, in a wormhole there. Yeah. And there's a page that just uploads just random clips of just Joey Diaz every day. <laughs> and like, there's some people that accuse him of being like an act. Like you you couldn't keep that up. You can't keep that up. No, no, exactly. And there's like ones of him when he's just like a failed comic with nothing else like about him. Yeah, for sure. And he's still just a maniac. Even if you know, even if he hammed up some of the stories, it's not an act, is it? It's. But there's there's some that shouldn't even be that funny yet. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, the way he tells them as well. I mean, I'm not sure. I've got the best bowel control in the world, but the amount of stories he has about just shitting in public. <laughs> yeah. One the other day, and he was like, I was walking home for a graveyard, and I just really needed to take a shit. And he was like, if you're walking home, you can't have been that far away. <laughs> and he says something like, he, he got home, and his mum just pointed to the mirror and was like, take a look at yourself. <laughs> that does make me feel better about things, because I've... Um... I've seen sometimes on Dave Allen's story as well. He'll just openly talk about like times where he shit himself, like in, as an adult, not like again. He's just yeah, yeah, just just couldn't help it. I was like, that is incredible. That makes me feel if I ever shit myself, I've got two examples there I can fall back on at least. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, it's not been on the podcast, but someone we all know used to always tell the story of me shitting myself, and I, I was in reception. Like he tells this story, like we were in like, in, like year five. And the story, I just came out and there was no toilet roll when I was in school. And I was, oh, someone's going to have to get me some. But after, so I've, Little I've, did you know, this is a precursor to yeah. your shitting yeah. antics as you got older. But And he tells a story like, actually, I hadn't shit myself, I just came out the toilet in my trousers by my ankles. Particularly odd when we do have a friend who has shit himself on yeah. a couple of nights out, which is an odd... Yeah. like Not the same one who outs you for this, I should ask. No, no. I mean, I won't out, out him now either, but... When I first heard that story, and I can say this without people knowing the story, just that he shits himself on a night mm. out, that honestly sent chills through me. Because, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. And it's because up until then, I always just assumed everyone deep down, it like couldn't happen. Like you could get to the point of being that uncomfortable, but like your body and your self-preservation and everything would just be that strong, particularly at like 25 years old, Yeah, that it just couldn't happen. And I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, 
That is te- that is terrifying <laughs> because I've had times before right, where you're in public or you're in like whether you're in a lesson at school, whether you're at work and you're in a meeting and you're like I really need to go, but you can't. It wouldn't actually happen. Then I heard that and I was like, yeah, that. That has like opened my eyes to a whole new world. Yeah, because I've had it. I've had it before. I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit touch and go here." But you can always find your way to a to a shit or whatever. It's never been that far. I think one of the best parts. Actually, this isn't even the only time he's shipped something. But one of the best parts <laughs> of the story is the fact that someone else had to go buy him <laughs> toilet roll, and obviously he's left with a four pack of toilet roll. At that point, you do go. you do you wipe? Is it like, like I'm at rock bottom here? Just get home. Just like. You're in an alleyway wiping your ass. I think that is wrong. I think that's a good friend because I think there's very few people who are going to actually walk back to you at that point after you shit yourself that are going to say, I know what you've done. I'm going to go get this and you mm. stay there. I'm going to let people see us together in this moment. <laughs> so that's, yeah, a, a good, that's a good friend right there. Um, we started with Joe Rogan sucking himself off and ended with... Uh, People shit Stories themselves. Stories of shit themselves, yeah. Um, Natural progression, really. Yeah, I thought this was going to be quite a straight down the line <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you fought wrong. Yeah. Um, Jaden Smith asked to be emancipated from his parents at 15 years old following the critical and box office failure of After Earth. <laughs> Having seen the film, I mean... You can understand his uh, objections, can you? Yeah. I, I haven't looked into his reasoning. I imagine it's something to do with the pressures, but like... It was a it was a bad film, but it was worse because of how much it was hyped up. The three D on it was really hyped up, and the fact that it was Will Smith doing a film with his son. Yeah, imagine he was. I don't need this. <laughs> In fairness, I'd want to be emancipated from his parents. Just some yeah. of the stories there coming out about him. <laughs> Christ, I remember Fifty Cent, and, and even he was like, "Why is she doing this?" Like this, is, some of the things he said, and he's like looking at Jade like, "This is too much." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If he this? thinks you've gone too far. The thing with it, well, I saw someone say, is like, can, so, can we just hear less from them? Yeah. <laughs> someone just tweeted, I just don't need to hear any more, I think. I think some things can be private. Yeah. Um, New Zealand possum holds woman hostage at her home. <laughs> uh, is he asking for a ransom? <laughs> uh, Michigan woman pleads guilty after trying to have ex-husband killed through fake Rent-A-Hitman website. Blimey. I feel like this happened in the first Horror Bosses film. Yeah, yeah. Where he thought it was like wet works and he thought that's what he was getting. Yeah, I think if, if you're going on a, a Rent-A-Hitman <laughs> site, I think you've got to be wary. Make sure it's legit, guys. Uh, three dead, hundreds injured after storms roused scorpions in Egypt. <sighs> Jesus. Like some out of uh, the Bible. Yeah, or the mummy. Yeah. Would you rather sit through the mummy again or go through that actual that was, scenario? That was bad. I mean, I think what's helped the mummy in my mind is watching Master and Commander. And that was like, no film can be can feel this long ever again. <laughs> I felt I was on the cruise with him. <laughs> Which is weird when you think, you look back, the mummy was like a big thing at the time. Yeah, well, we did it and then we were all pretty pumped up to watch it. And then I text Jack during it and was like, this isn't good, is it? <laughs> and he was like, no, no, it's not. Like, the effects were really bad. But then Sean and Keenan, in the same way they did with um, National Treasure, were like, I've always thought the second one was better. <laughs> Blimey. 
so they kind of clung to that. But I can't say I've been that worried that I've gone out to watch The Mummy Returns since. No, no. I think, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, Keenan may have argued Scorpion King over the others. Blimey. I'm pretty sure, he may have even said that on a podcast, but I can't be certain. Um, Cocaine haul worth almost 39 million euros found in onion rings. Now, I like the idea of it being inside the onion rings. I'm assuming it was in some packaging <laughs> that was disguised as onion rings, but I like the idea of... It's in our first bite. Oh my yeah. God, what is this? <laughs> um, a prolonged gun battle between rival gangs inside Ecuador's largest prison early on Saturday left at least 68 inmates dead. <laughs> For a start, Prison security, someone needs to have a look. <laughs> a gun battle in prison is a sentence that shouldn't be said. Because I would indicate that's more than one gun. I don't imagine the two gangs were just lined no, up. Like, no. like, I'll die for my gang if I have to. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything about this, gr- this group of people, these two groups that made you think, I think they could probably trust with a gun now. <laughs> I think they've done a bit of time. Um, man crashes airplane seven times in four different states in only seven days. Me. They kept letting him get beyond the wheel. Yeah, that seems... <laughs> this is probably my favourite of the week. Um, large hog named Papa Pig rescued after blocking the road and breaking owner's trailer Breaking owner's trailer in York County. <laughs> Papa, I still love the one that was lured away with Doritos. <laughs> That's, that one, if we do our awards again this year, that might be my favourite headline. Yeah, that is phenomenal. Um... Archaeologists discover ancient hangover prevention ring. Jeez. I'm sure I've seen these before. Is it not like those ones where people would wear, is it the ring or the wristband when they got like travel sick? You might be right. So I, I like the idea of thousands of years ago, they still have these same issues, but I can't be functioning today. Imagine- Henry the Apes had a big one last <laughs> night. <laughs> Imagine if it was like the one ring though. So you you wore it to prevent the hangover, but it comes at a price. Maybe that's how it started. Just that 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 one bloke that does always go around. Oh, I don't really get hangovers. Meanwhile, he's sneakily around the whole time. Yeah, people no, do claim that. And no then, one ever gets resented quite like that guy who says that. And I'm just never sure I believe it either. I, well, I always think they're just due an absolutely disgusting yeah. one. Then, if they've never had one, I think, well, Lord help you when you do, because that's yeah. not going to be fun. Built up. Um, tapeworms found in man's brain years after he ate feces tainted food oh god several questions there I mean did he know it was tainted first and then he found they found the tapeworms and he's like right that explains it I know where that came from oh that'll be when I ate the shit <laughs> yeah that'll be it did it like is he dead and they just put two and two together like parasites and tapeworms and things terrify me more than any animal ever could because like, you used to see those clips of them like pulling them like out or something yeah yeah I feel like they, it could be in a lot of food as well so you'd be yeah. eating food without thinking it well I, I haven't I'd never really thought about it and like, I don't know why I would have thought about it until I was watching like a Kitchen Nightmares a while back and it was making a, they were making a jambalaya actually in uh, oh perfect uh, in America down in the down the south and they put it straight in the freezer, I think, like right after making it. And he was like, 
all that does is just kind of create like a little like gap in the middle. You would of this hope that, that was just obvious. Like festers all the bacteria. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not making jambalaya and putting it in there, but even now, if I'm like putting pizza in the fridge after, I'm like, let me make sure this is all completely cold first. Yeah, yeah. Because- <laughs> Wait for it to cool down, maybe. Yeah. But these these people have been doing this for years, so. And they uh, wonder why their restaurants are going down the shitter. No wonder the, oh, their bowels are all a mess. Actually, I always look for things to watch on my uh, break at work because I say that there's too much around me for me to go wandering around the Keys. Like, <laughs> if you're hungry and then you walk past, like, five guys on your lunch. I've got scared. five guys on my lunch twice and then, like, the whole afternoon, I was like, why have I done this? <laughs> yeah. like, you, five guys is one where... You should eat it and then just have like a bed next to you. Just yeah. Pull yourself in and just lie down. <laughs> so today I put on, I think it was like Hell's the first ever episode of Hell's Kitchen. Oh, blimey. and so you can tell like where they've briefed him and said this is what to do. And he's just like unnecessarily horrible. Yeah. Like I know yeah. he's like an asshole in the later series where almost he's like written punchlines to say. This one like. He's just calling people just like fat boy for no reason. And like right when he needs to give him a plate back, he's just like pushing it into their chest. And he's just being unnecessarily like... And you hear this a lot now and a lot of the time you could, but when you hear like, I don't know if you could get away with making this today. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know a lot. His fame, I don't think would last because now a lot of the stuff you see him go viral for is like reacting to a TikTok or doing a dance with his daughter yeah. rather than like, you fat pig, get that lasagna away from me. Yeah, yeah. I think some of the stuff he originally said just wouldn't have flown. Like, he he's calling this guy a wuss in the second episode um, and the guy is um, staying on the line while he's got kidney stones. Blimey. And, and the guy's up all night just going, uh, and they're like, just, you're keeping us up. Get out, Go somewhere else. <laughs> And he's on the line, just not concentrating. And he's like, look, if you want a beer or not, get on with it. <laughs> well, I don't know if he knows exactly what he has, but the guy definitely does have kidney stones on there. That is ruthless. Jesus. That's another thing that's terrified me since I heard what it was. Mm, oh, My massively. uncle has had it and he's mm. like, and I think I asked him, this was years ago, like, how bad is it? And he's like, there's nothing I could actually say that could describe how bad this is. No, I remember I was, I was haunted my... Um my dad had them and said it was worse, the worst pain he's ever experienced. And he's had a motorbike accident where his toes were cut off and he had to sew them back on. And he said kidney stones was worse than Jesus. that. I was like, oh my dear Lord. I think we the, the, the kid we mentioned there a lot, his name rhymes with Waft, had them. I believe that was correct, yeah. Oh, I don't know if he passed them. I think he may have gone into hospital and then... Took the coward's way out. Yeah, exactly. Got a C-section. <laughs> Didn't do it naturally. Uh... Students suspended after riding horse into Gloucester High School. Uh, this is in Vancouver, Gloucester. Um, <laughs> Damn shame. Yeah. California parents sue after getting another couple's embryo. Two couples gave birth to each other's babies after a mix-up at a fertility clinic and spent months raising children that weren't theirs before swapping the infants. Fucking hell. That must be an odd one where you're like, do I? Do I swap? Like... Especially if you've got the better looking kid. What? Maybe you just go, I'll just keep this one. <laughs> there must be something because they say like, you're instantly bonded as soon as the, the woman gives birth to the yeah. kid. 
So they've each given birth to them and then they're swapping them, then they're handing them over after. That's a weird... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an odd dynamic, the whole yeah. thing, isn't it? Especially as that hospital should have just kept quiet. <laughs> just let them well, because have that's this a, rest that's of That's a horrible decision to give them to make. But how long is it afterward? Do we know this? Uh, months. Months. Not 12 years later. No. <laughs> you know what? I don't like this one. You have it. And what if one side wanted to swap and the others didn't? Well, then you know you've got to you've got to come up. Do you want to trade draft picks or what? You've got to come bring something else to the table for them. Oh, that's, that's so bizarre. Um, Heinz debuts Mars edition ketchup made with tomatoes grown in Mars-like conditions. I thought you meant Mars chocolate. I was no, thinking, that's <laughs> horrific. This is okay. the latest take on like green ketchup. That was a thing for a while. Yeah. You know but, what? Uh, grown in Mars-like conditions. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. That's, that's going to be like, um, is it a placebo effect, that was called? Oh. Where massively. you like, do this taste different? Yeah, it's going to be total bullshit, isn't it? It's kind of like when you spend a while making food for yourself and you try and convince yourself that it's like nicer than something you've had before. Like I made a burger before and I was like, this might be better than Five Guys. <laughs> and then your reflection like later in the day, like that wasn't better. <laughs> when you're honest with yourself. Woman visits toilet at vegan cafe and finds satanic, satanic cult sex meeting. Blimey! Just stumbled upon. It. That's what she's telling us. <laughs> oh, I just stumbled upon it. I wasn't supposed to be. Here. What do you think is? <laughs> what do you do? Is that what you're about no, to no, say? No, no. Um, I'll see what it's about. I was going to say, like, what do you think could be the most shocking thing you could walk in and see? In, in a toilet. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I know uh, what, what I think. I just, I mean, I don't know if your mind is like more bizarre and there's something you think is the most shocking. Yeah, I mean, uh, without getting really blue on the podcast, <laughs> I, I, that scene in Sex Drive where he sees there's a hole where the toilet hole holder is. <laughs> I think that would be worse than walking and just seeing two blokes just going you're, to town. You're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> the way in sex drive it just slowly <laughs> pokes through. <laughs> You'd be scarred. Um and finally, Arby's are to sell two vodka flavours inspired by its curly fries and crinkle fries. Now oh, God. I don't think I've ever had infused vodka past like that's it. There's just like lemon or yeah, like a caramel one. I don't That's think I have enough. because there was that one for a while that you would see. And did it have like something to do with a snake in there? Well, it's a tequila worm. That, that's, <laughs> the, that's, that's the one. Get, that's the get one. Get the I'm worm down, yeah. Yeah. And did that? Have you only ever had that? Does it taste any different to normal? Yeah, it's just sometimes it's it's a bit stronger. That is the the actual. Is that the Mexican tradition is that you're supposed to have it's not proper tequila unless there's a worm in there and then you're supposed to I think eat the worm afterwards so curly fry infused vodka so you have to have chips at the bottom <laughs> how strong are we thinking that's going to taste of curly chips because those curly chips we used to have at work I mean I mean that'd be dangerous really if you're necking vodka like it's just going out of the fashion way, I mean, the way like some people fries. used to stock up on them curly yeah, chips yeah yeah <laughs> they'd be ruined if you do that with the vodka, people think he's got serious issues at home. Why is he walking off with 67 vodka shots? When it's like a chain like that, it's like they must know it sells. They must know that that's going to sell. Yeah. So 
I, I, anything savoury in its shot just seems odd to me. Yeah, that's, that's a weird one for me. I just imagine being greasy and I don't know. I, I think ultimately it's going to be vodka and maybe the slightest hint of yeah. some fries. <laughs> All right, that is news of the week done for this week. So uh, we'll get on to the football first and then if the audience drops out, we'll afterwards. <laughs> we know why. Um, aside from England, who do have three Arsenal players starting for them this evening. So are you vaguely happy with that? No, <laughs> no, no, he's I, not. I, I, was, I was moaning about oh, Connor Cody started. I was moaning <laughs> about England, obviously, on uh, Friday. My uncle was around yesterday and he was like, oh, did you watch the England game? What do you think? And it was like midway through kind of saying the same things I was like I sound like a maniac <laughs> well, like, listen I've tried pointing this out to you he was like I thought we played pretty good football I was like, no it wasn't good <laughs> was like, we were five and a lap at half time <laughs> but still like, there was no passing it was just like, oh. it was like Unai Emery's arsenal that seems harsh well I used to complain that it was an attack a midfield and a defence and that's what I think is like watching England's like it's just kind of hoofed up and then you've got that attacking line and you, that you hope does something. Like, there's no real... I thought there was some nice passing moves. I thought the first goal in particular was a, was a nice move. Kane scored that, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> no, Maguire scored Maybe that. that's... Did Maguire score the first or Maguire the second? I, was, the, I, was, I wasn't too bad and the Maguire goal went in and I was just raging. That, <laughs> that celebration, I felt <laughs> like he was doing it to me. <laughs> oh. oh, You've got some nerve here doing this. And his comments about it after, like, I wasn't doing that at anyone in particular I mean it was just I'm scoring for England what do you want me to do and it's like not look like a dick yeah <laughs> I feel like you've got to double down at that point as well don't you you'll say yeah that was to the critics if that's what you think there's some things a striker can do that a centre back can't do yeah, yeah, and there's some things right. like a Spanish centre back can do that a big slab headed bloke from Yorkshire can't do yes yeah firmly agree like <sighs> you'd even you'd even allow it more with Kane yeah, so he's yeah. been getting stick and, and not scoring a lot of goals. If he rattles in the goals and does that, you kind of go, okay. And I actually think I'd have, been, I'd have been less annoyed if Kane did it. I think it would have been less of a talking point. I think because we see strikers do it so regularly. If they go on, it's, like, he's not even on a drought. If they're on a drought. Yeah, then... if I'm just thinking of someone doing it, I don't even know if he's done it before. I can picture Firmino doing that celebration and I'd have no issue with it at all. Yeah, because it'd probably just be one of those things where and you think that's it, just a celebration yeah. he does. He's with done Maguire, so. it was the face he was doing while doing it, and it was like... It was very much like, I'll oh, see, like, showing you all now. I was I was like, that is not showing us all. I was glad when I went on Twitter after it, and everyone just seemed to have the exact same reaction. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But now there's sort of the counter-movement, isn't there, to say that uh, oh, well, Keane's gone too hard on him, and it's, well, you know, so- and that he... Um, well, you know, he's celebrating for his company. He's just passionate. He's passionate. Yeah, I saw right. Michael Richards say, look, you want these players to... Um, show personality. Show personality, and, and then they does. do show it. It's like, well, I'd rather they didn't, if this is how <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with Mika's wider point in general. I just didn't think this was a good example of it. I like the idea of Harry Maguire being this big, dim bloke who just heads the ball when it comes to him and not a lot else between the ears. I think everybody preferred that, didn't they? Like, At Leicester. This, I imagine, like, chunk... Not chunk... Um, the bloke from the Goonies, hey you guys, like that as a footballer, that's what I want Harry Maguire to be. Like, if you watch some of his interviews, it's not a million miles off. No. Would I have as much of an issue if John Stones did that? I'd probably quite enjoy it if John Stones did that, to be honest. All the stuff I see in the interviews from the England camp say like, he's the funniest bloke. John Stones? They say him and Carl Walker together are like the best double acts that you can have. Right, is that right? 
Um, there's an inter- I've, I must have watched a lot of Ramsdale interviews this weekend. <laughs> and there's one of him in the England camp last time, and he's just talking about kind of what the camp's like, and they've created something here where you go straight in, and it's like you've been in that camp. They usually say you, you, Henderson tells you to come and sit at his table, and he just this sounds like prison. He just makes <laughs> he just makes you feel welcome, right? But and he was like, they say who's the funniest, and he was like. He's like, probably Stones and Walker, but together. Like, not so much... He's like they Terrible just, individually, he's great like, they together. They bounce off each other, and then, like, Pickford just comes in and says, a mental after. But those two together, basically, are, 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 are what you want. Yeah. Um, then they ask him, is that Josh Denzel, who? I mean, we've shared similar <laughs> thoughts there. He always asks at the end of these interviews, who has the best trim in the camp? And they usually say, like, I don't know. Foden at the Euros and they have a laugh or something and he gets takes it quite serious he's like John Stones probably he's just got that like messy look that I'd really like to go for like I look at his hair and think like you could do anything with that that'll, that'll Calvin Phillips he's like I'd love to have hair like Calvin Phillips <laughs> so we've just got Ramsdale's in love with John Stones essentially he, well, he says after he's like um, I've got I've got the wing backs uh, starting to let me down if you see me on holiday in Turkey next summer don't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, Ramsdale's showing a bit of personality this year. I like it. Rob Holding's probably been telling him, like, you've got to understand. Trust me. Look at this, mate. Um, all right. So What's John Park come as tonight, by the way? I mean, he constantly just looks like he's trying to wear something that fits it all in. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm a larger <laughs> bloke, but that, that's larger than this. He is. In charge. Bloody <laughs> hell. He's enjoyed retirement. Yeah. Well, he's not even retired. He still plays. He still plays on the tour. I didn't realise John Park still gets... Yeah, he's, oh, he, he's not great, but... Lovely guy. Yeah, you see him Lovely pop fella. up. Um, during lockdown, they had the one that was in Minehead, I think, where the plumbing went down and so they couldn't have fans there, but they carried on with the tournament because they could basically ship them to him from the hotel. That is as English a sentence as anyone will ever say. Yeah. The darts at Minehead when the plumbing but went like, down. He, he was playing in that tournament. He plays in kind of the in-betweens. Like he doesn't qualify for the top ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, yeah. I knew some of them did. I didn't know he yeah, was one of them. His son yeah. plays as well, I believe. Um, the Canadians. See, as we said, Gerard, we hinted at it last Monday, has now signed for Aston Villa. Um, there's been some shock that he decided to leave early November, top of the Premiership table over there. League over cut semi final in just over a week. Um, chance to reach in the knockout phase of the Europa. So the Rangers' support are understandably unhappy. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen the clip of the bloke punching the cardboard cutout. I have. And the clip of. The, the woman who thinks he's yeah. actually Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who has stood in this guy's house and also doesn't <laughs> flinch when he swings a punch at him and just cleans him out. Unbelievable. So they say that talks progressed pretty quickly between uh, Gerard and Villa over Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. Um, and he is someone that does bring a whole team with him. Yeah, um, so it seems- I know that was part of the delay for Eddie Howe at Newcastle. Was apparently not him, but part of his team were being really like trying to squeeze more out of the contract. And Eddie Howe's got to be having a word there. Like, come on, yeah, let's have some self awareness yeah. here, guys. But Gerard, I know, and I was reading an article about what he's like, and he really does kind of rely on his team, which is fair enough. I mean, I said about it when Arteta came in; it was like you had a young manager and then, I mean, we've got some of the youngest coaching staff. We've got like 23-year-old coaches, some of them. Blimey. 
Um, and so he looks like he's surrounding himself. I know we poached a few from Liverpool, didn't he? Like data analysts and things. Yeah. Um, so he's got a good team there. They did that all pretty quickly. So I guess that shows how much they wanted him. Um, I was reading about what Villa really liked about him. And I know he has built quite a nice reputation yep. as a manager, particularly, um, and I may have got the player wrong. It was Glenn Kamara that suffered the abuse in the Europa League, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the way he handled that, I think, raised a lot of people's eyebrows. And the way that he speaks kind of quite calmly and well to the media, but also when he wants to make a point, yeah, he does yeah, make he it. Does. I know... Um, and part of the reason I think that he has left Rangers um, is the financial aspects uh, where he was promised to be backed and I know they're backed by fans as well over there to keep them going and that essentially ran out and he was told you've got free transfers or nothing else and he did an interview a couple of months back where he said I need more money basically Mm. you can't expect me to compete at this level um, without it so I know Dean Smith was sacked. They literally jumped straight for Gerrard. He was the number one pick. And effectively he weighed up how much further he felt he could take Rangers and didn't feel that that could go much further. They switched to a self-sustainable business model. Alan McGregor and Stephen Davis are out of contract, uh, retiring, sorry. Ryan Kent and Morelos are both out of contract at the end, yeah, at the end of the year. Way. And I think he's basically just like, this is the end of what we've built here. I mean, said, didn't we? As soon as you won a league, like, what more can you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Undefeated, 102 points. Really not a lot to do. The, um, the only sympathy I have with some Rangers fans is obviously the timing isn't ideal, say about the cup final coming up. Uh, chance to get into the last stages of uh, a European competition is probably a good opportunity for a Rangers manager, but not going to be expecting to win it either. So, th- th- I feel like this was an opportunity he couldn't turn down. And as much as ideally he'd get it in the summer, maybe. Yeah. You can't choose when the opportunity comes. From next season as well, um, the winner of the SPL goes straight into the Champions League group stage. So there's a lot of pressure there because right. Rangers obviously want to be in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as for what Villa fans can expect, he, his formation, to put it quite bluntly, is pretty much what Klopp plays at Liverpool but with a real nine instead of a false nine. Yeah. He has the inverted wide forwards, the fullbacks bombing on. So you'd think with targeting cash there, that's a pretty good foundation. Your boys. For every, every club, well, every time he was linked with a job, it was like, well, he's going to take Tavernier with him. Yeah, yeah. And and apparently Tavernier was a bit put out that Gerard didn't tell him first as if he kind of owed him <laughs> something. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got a good foundation there. Presumably he'll turn down and move to Villa then to have an He's that put out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he likes pretty much what you'd have with almost like a old four four two, where you've got a more progressive midfielder on the left or right and then the other one slightly more defensive minded so you think John McGinn's going to be perfect for the style of football he mm. plays there. I guess one of the things that's going to have to be mentioned when he was speaking to the ownership is Look, we spent a lot of money in the summer. I know it replaced Grealish, but you need to get a tune out of some of these players. For sure. Buendia, for an inside forward role, is probably perfect. Because Should be on paper. He's been playing as like a cam when he's come on in other games. And he just seems like 
he's struggling to get to grips with dominating a Prem game. And so that inside forward where I believe he played that at the start of Norwich's last campaign in the Prem and he played there a lot of last season, almost looks like a wide right midfielder. He should be doing a lot better there. The issue is, if he sticks with this formation, you probably can't get Wendia, Ollie Watkins and Leon Bailey all in the team. And Danny Ings. What well, I think Danny Ings will be who he plays through the middle, you think. You'd think it's probably Ings and Watkins are one of them's probably going to have to miss out, isn't it? Probably. Well, see, cause they've one been playing Ollie Watkins on the left, haven't they? And it's whether Gerard thinks that's the way to go. I would imagine they'll do Wendia and Bailey either Cause, side of cause one Bailey, of those guys in the middle would be what I would think. In that, Bailey in that for Jamaica plays on the right, mm. for Leverkusen he played on the right. So whether he thinks he can shift him to the left, which wouldn't be the most outrageous thing. I think we make a big deal of that sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, I agree. Sometimes we can overstate it. If if he's playing his like inside forwards as well, then that's perfect for cutting in. So in theory, yeah. you should be fine. It's not like you're hugging the touchline and this. It's actually the worst thing you can do in this formation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kills the fullbacks going forward. Yeah, because just the brand of football he's played, attacking, possession based, and he's carried that into Europe as well with some impressive wins. Yeah, they, they've played some teams off the park, which is the more impressive thing. Something that'll be interesting is so he averages sixty one percent of the ball per game with Rangers. I don't think he's foolish enough to think he's going to be doing that in the Prem most weeks. We'll be interested to see how he adjusts to that side of it, won't it? Where he's not the most dominant team. He's going to have, I don't know, probably maybe 50% of the games he plays. He's not going to be the favourite. Because I think it, it, it might be unfair, um, but I think we've kind of split on here before when we've spoken about managers and we've said essentially like a tactician or a man-manager, kind of one or the other. And we said that Arteta almost is like a tactician to a fault with his coaching. I, I see Gerard as being as much of a coach as I imagine he's quite, he seems quite cold with the players. I think he's one of the lads when he needs to be, but he doesn't look like he gets kind of mixed in with it. Whereas Frank, I think one of the criticisms was he seemed like one of the boys. Like and I don't think, his mate. yeah. Mm. Gerard, I, I think he seems to tread the line pretty well. Well, I think he's probably witnessed people become too pally with it. Particularly, I think, players who have probably fairly recently in the grand scheme of things retired. I think he's probably thought, I've got to separate myself from you. I can't be seen to be friends with you. And he's he's often spoke about in his time at Liverpool where he went from Julier to Benitez. He said Julier was like a father to people. Benitez was like you'd never met him before in your life if you if you hadn't played for him well that week it would be that cold the way Carragher so, talks about Rafa I would think he didn't like him he, yeah it is it is interesting isn't it and then the, the funny thing with that a bit of a sidetrack but when they had Rafa on it was like two old friends being up so it was yeah, they yeah. kind of I guess maybe it's different when you're working with them so, but I think Gerald's probably witnessed those two and probably think I've got a striker call between the middle of these because well, I was thinking Obviously, the defence is the big issue they've had this season. Dean mm-hmm. Smith, seemingly in the summer, was like, right, we, we spread a bit further now with the players we've got. Um, I can play a bit nicer football and try to open it up. I think he thought Mings was more of a ball player than he is. Oof, I think everybody seems yeah. to have football. Christ. And thought that that was the way forward. That hasn't worked. But maybe it's because we aren't seeing Gerard every week as up close. I look at him and when I hear he needs to sort the defence out. I think he can do that. Like I think he's the kind of manager that is going to 
will be interesting Pinpoint to see if get you can. play in the right way, this and that, rather than hands off, leave it to other people. Yeah. I don't think he's going to shy away from that. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if he can sort that out because they have been a shambles defensively. And we've obviously seen how he's able to implement a style of play with Rangers, but hasn't really had to consider, I've got a shambles defence that's going to get... See, even if you can be a bit poorest defensively, you're going to be playing enough bad teams in Scotland that you may be able to get away with it. You're not going to be able to with Villa. No. And he's going to have to sort that pretty quick. You don't want to get dragged no. into a into a dogfight. An inexperienced manager getting dragged into a relegation fight isn't a isn't a great situation to be in. I'm quite excited to see how he does. And yeah, I guess yeah. for neutral fans, it's as much of a win win because if, yeah. if, if if you if you play Villa, it adds another kind of subtext to it. If Villa do horribly, not many of us are going to complain about seeing Gerard in the mud. To be honest, no, it'd be celebrated quite quickly. I would imagine, and it's just something. It's another headline to have each week in. The way we are seeing more and more ex-players come in is almost like I would always do that football manager and I would love to get the ex-players in, filter international caps one, bring them in. And seeing the likes of like, we're going to have Vieira against Gerrard in the dugout. It is really weird. Kind of a bit depressing. Yeah. If you're watching these players and now their managers kind of odd. Yeah. Just just Arteta, Gerrard, Vieira. And I'm not saying Arteta's in that Mm. level of player, but just in terms of seeing these ex-players, it's very cool seeing it it play out um, yeah with what with what we said do you think he gets this working quickly we spoke about Conte and there being a pressure there to have it done quick I don't think Gerard's under that pressure no but I think he's the type of character that will instill the new manager bounce you would think, wouldn't you? I think he's uh, he's certainly got, as you said, a way of talking that I think will get players going. I think he's obviously quite passionate. Uh, I was just looking to see what uh, fixtures Villa have got. So they have uh, Brighton on Saturday at three o'clock and then they have Palace. So it's not, yeah, not an easy couple of games. And I see after that, they've got Man City, Leicester and Liverpool. So yeah. that's, a, that's a tough run. Um there's very few games you look at actually these days though where yeah. you actually think like aside from Norwich you're praying for Norwich <laughs> yeah Norwich and Watford and I've just seen Arsenal win 1-0 against Norwich and win 1-0 against Watford yeah there isn't really like you look at Brighton now and you're like oh. you look at Leicester and you're like oh. even Brentford you look at and you're like I don't fancy yeah. going there. I, I mean <laughs> like in, in theory Burnley should be a game you piss and you're always worried that they'll Burnley will turn up for that one game and fight you. Oh, and, I imagine and, that's going to help. The fact that Gerard in there is is going to help a lot of teams as well. Yeah, yeah, it's true. One because either Liverpool are like Gerard was their hero and they they want to prove a point to him, or it's just a, something something extra. Yeah, like, like you said, I think um, most teams would probably be indifferent on Villa predominantly. Now we're having Gerard there does add a bit of extra spice. I stopped liking them in the summer when their fans and it seems very uh, kind of big club. Um, don't be coming into my space, but some of our fans over the summer were talking like the Smith Rowe thing rattled you, didn't it? I got you. That I actually think was the best thing that could have happened to us this summer. The Smith Rowe thing. How so? If Arsenal needed a wake up call, Villa thinking they could come and take yeah. our second biggest prospect has to have been a slap in the face. Like we <laughs> we need to be having a word here. That's a valid point. Yeah. Just the, the fact they the fact they went for it was I I, I do genuinely think. All the articles you read, they're like, 
the club like could not believe that they even had the nerve to hit send on that. No, I, I because the audacity is quite something. Because nine times out of ten, probably nine hundred ninety-nine times out of a thousand, the club knows the bid is coming before the bid's coming. Mm-hmm. You very rarely just get out a, of nowhere. Just get a just get a bid come through into your email box or whatever. Or whatever. So I, I imagine that must have been. I remember when the news broke, it was like, what the hell? You thought it was kind of gossip and then it was like Ornstein tweeting and you're like, what? And one of the older things was where this like just didn't go away. I was thinking, is this actually going to... Well, they put in three bids for him in the end. Yeah. I was thinking like, is he like a, out of nowhere, I didn't know, a boyhood like Villa fan or something? I can't think of any other reason why they would think they had half a chance. Stuff about his contract. So I understand why his agent was probably entertaining it, but... Even still, there was like this was. If it was like a young player wasn't getting game time, I'd go okay. Maybe he might spoil for a move because he thinks he'll play there. But it wasn't even that, was it? Yeah, very odd. How's Don Adoy not saying he's too good for the under twenty ones? <sighs> Fucking hell, that's, that's bad. That is. Well, Southgate looked genuinely livid when he said about that. I'm surprised. He did yeah. say about Greenwood in his press conference this week. He was like, ask him about that. Only he can tell you why he doesn't want to be. Really, here. that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um. Something I thought was surprising, and I mean, as a Liverpool fan, you may not be surprising to you. Ings and Gerrard never actually played a game together. They for England or for um, Liverpool, they were never on the same pitch together. It would have surprised me more if you said the opposite. Oh, I, I thought, thought there was just, a slight crossover, just narrowly missed, I believe. Um, one of the, supposedly the big things is um, he had a real gripe with how poor he deemed the academy at Rangers. And you'd think with how a manager is that you'd welcome this. He wanted to be involved in that and he wanted to go and be watching the players, bringing them through and okay. getting the right coaches in there. I know the sporting director at Rangers, from what you read, was really keen for Gerard to look, stick to what you deal with. I'll deal with I the rest. See. And Villa have one of the best academies in the country. Some of the players they have coming through. It, it so, does sound like all in all, Rangers basically couldn't match Gerard's ambition, wasn't it? It sounds like he had... Yeah ideas that kind of outweighed the club I think Villa have flashed it and said essentially because it's also on paper they're still the richest owners in the league outside of Newcastle I thought that I saw someone (laughs) saying that they had more than Newcastle but I guess the worth of isn't really there in well I I guess if if they're not actually owned by Saudi obviously it is but in in the actual truth yeah that's that's yeah Yeah. I've realised as I said it but no, I mean regardless, I think they're right up there. I, I still, I don't think they're actually richer than. <coughs> I don't think they're actually richer than City's owners either. But it's still outrageously wealthy. And they're nuts on the table. You know so I mean? look, if you're having, this is as good a job as he was going to get as well. as the other thing, isn't it? He isn't getting a better job than this outside of getting a Liverpool job for being Steven Gerrard, which I, I've got numerous issues with. Whenever it does happen, I've got numerous yeah. concerns. But uh, this is as good a job as he was ever going to get, and I think. I said the the Rangers fans who were un, unhappy. I don't think it's like he chose that I would leave in November. No, I but think just when it comes along, you can't it was say the no. Interview he did, I think, at the start of October, he was like, "Do I look like I want to leave? Do I look happy?" Here? That's one of those um, the Bob Arum yesterday I was lying today I'm telling the truth, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, I've always had a bit of a thing with that. With I don't know why players do it because you should know that things can change very quickly. At the same time, but at the same time, as the person asking the question, you got to know. At the minute, yeah, but he hasn't been offered a villa job well, at the and, minute. It's a different story. You, you get shot on if at the time you, you you're like, oh well, I mean, I'm I'm not too sure. Yeah, I, yeah. What's I he going to say here for now? I think, especially as the manager, because you've got to yeah, convince the players that you're on board. I think the two things can be true. Um, 
when it comes to like Rangers fans speaking, like they are a big club, but they're in a shit league. And yeah, like, yeah, this is it. This is the, it. The the Prem more than ever. Everyone just wants a piece of it. Like you see, you see players now. Like um, Christopher Iyer went from Celtic to play for what we thought would be relegation fodder in Brentford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like teams are they teams that it were Fulham as well. They are coming from like lovely like houses in Monaco to come and play for Fulham. Yeah, and it's like the, the the Premier League now is just like the old firm clubs. I mean, their fans. How many? players or managers have to leave your club for a mid-table to lower club before you kind of get the memo. Do you know what I mean? They are big clubs, but there is a clear message being sent here that you can only fight so many times. If, if I think they're perfect if you're a player coming up and you look at... Uh, Tierney's probably not the right example because he came through their academy, but probably someone like Christopher Iyer, who's gone there as a young Norwegian mm-hmm. lad and had played a part in multiple league titles... And then the other end of it, when you've got your Defoe's, you've got your Joe Hart's, like Joe Hart's killing it over there. Yeah. Like you see the way the fans talk about him. That's or, um, perfect. Or if you just need a resurgence. If you look at, um, you know, Brendan going to Celtic, I, yeah. I know there's a maybe a bit of a link there anyway, but he's he needed that in his career. Yeah. Perfect time. And they needed him. And it's a perfect match. Look at, in theory at least, when Robbie Keane went there on loan was the plan was for that to happen. I don't know that it's going to ever got back What it track, didn't but... seem to work for was Shane Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> Who had an absolute horror year and Came somehow back, he's sold, better at Brighton. Sold, I, can't. I mean, add it, add it to the Graham Potter prop. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, for, for you, do you think there's anything in Gerard's mind that's like, this is the small step before the big one? Do you think he even thinks about that? See, I, I don't. I think he tells himself look the Liverpool job if I ever get offered it I get offered it I can't assume I will in, in a way that you kind of you know like a I guess a boxer has to tell himself look I know everyone's telling me I'm going to win this but I've got to tell myself it's not inevitable and yeah. that. Um, I actually think he's if he had eyes on the Liverpool job he stays at Rangers I think it's the safer move uh, you can carry on doing what you're doing and bide your time there's probably other safer moves than Villa yeah, as well yeah there's, I, I like that this is a roll of the dice it's, it's a gamble um, having said that I think he would have to do horrifically to really really damage his stock but that's possible If he, look, for example if they did end up in a relegation fight this year it wouldn't look good if they went down obviously it looks horrible so I, I like that he's took a gamble here and I don't I don't think he's thinking about future jobs it, it seems harder and harder to completely drop your stock in this league now like mm-hmm. because the jobs go that quickly like there, there's there's no way relegation threat in Norwich should be looking to Frank Lampard there is no <laughs> yeah. there is yeah. no way at all and I mean Frank might be a special case where I'm glad he... for him that he said someone close to him you can't afford to have this happen the, the tricky thing is that there's, a, there's an element of not much risk to that because he can't they can't get worse but like, if he makes him even competitive he's done okay and then he can presumably rebuild the next year, but they're always favourites well, to go up in the championship. Like, I think Oli, when he gets sacked, can get another Prem job again. Mm-hmm. And the way he's been spoken about is as bad as any manager I can remember being spoken about here. Yeah. Like, what's his name? Uh, De Boer at Palace? Yeah. Like, he got less stick. I know he was here less time. <laughs> yeah, but, didn't he have enough to chance. But, I mean, he got it all in one dollop from Jose. <laughs> but like Ollie, it's like that's um, 
when they were when they were like Newcastle fans, like no, we, we wouldn't want him. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like all he's got to be having a having a look in the mirror. Be be exciting to this is when like if they're not going to give us three o'clock games, at least give us the one after the international break because we're like fiending for like prem football. At yeah, stage. yeah, that like, is true. Absolutely, that that being a three o'clock game would be a nice one because Brighton's a tough test to go against for That's your, a tough for your first game, game because yeah. they're as well drilled as anyone and they probably have less players on international duty than Villa so they're probably yeah, even true. more well prepped true like you said if he thinks he can go there and enjoy 61% of possession he's probably going to be badly mistaken I like that Villa knew this is what we want because mm. the fact the fact he has such a big backroom staff and they got it all over the line two days into the international break you give yeah. him a week and a half, two weeks to get in with the team. Very, it, very... It feels very measured, doesn't it? They got rid of Dean Smith then, knew who they wanted, got him in, international break. But if, if you're an, a manager on the edge and the international break comes, you every time you see your phone flash up, you're like, oh, <laughs> check it for me, will you? I don't want to look. <laughs> you see someone walk past the office, just pretend you're not in, just get yeah. under the desk. No, no, they can't have the chat with me if I'm not here. Yeah, it's... it's I said as much as gamble for Gerald, it's a gamble for the Villa as well. I like that they've both mutually rolled the dice. Yeah, you know? although with part of it, and I don't know if this is a a prop for Gerard or bad for the others, I'm not sure how many others are out there that you look at and are like, you're a better manager than what, we can get. This was another thing where I saw people saying, uh, and I've just said it's a risk, and it is a risk, but I saw people saying, like, why are Villa going for this? They should go for an established manager. like, what really established manager is going to go to Villa at the minute? I think they're a good match, an up-and-coming manager, an up-and-coming club. Yeah, we've got to start putting Fonseca in that Ralph Rangnick mix, haven't we? Of like, do you exist? Like, <laughs> like, I saw United fans RT in a thing of, um, would you take Ralph Rangnick as the next United manager? And I was I was seeing this when he was linked with Arsenal. I was like, we don't know anything about him. Like, All the prop he gets is as a sporting director where he's done yes. a great job. Yeah, There's a reason you're not still a manager. It's... Imagine if uh, like Michael Edwards kept started getting linked with yeah. like every managerial job. We're going, this is a bit crazy. Um, yeah, it's baffling. I, I mean, really, United should get a structure in place where if you want to have him as a sporting director and a manager, a good manager underneath. Yeah, but they're linking with him as a manager. Yeah, this this is where it comes. Uh, I have also seen some of them say, well, get him as a manager to the end of the season and then move him upstairs and then create a manager. I was like, You're just creating a bigger mess yeah. for yourselves yeah. here than, than you need like to. the people that wanted Wenger to stick around as director of football after he retired. So this this wouldn't work one of the things being there's no excuse for that from Arsenal fans when you've seen Fergie just being around has yeah. been problematic for United so Although, how having him directly involved would be last scene before we move on to the other sports but at this premiere of the Wenger documentary mm. that's out properly next week still um, Arteta made a big thing and he was like we need his energy back around the club he was like the fans miss him the players miss him he was like He's had his time away. I completely encourage him coming back and being a visible kind of presence around here. Well, I think that makes some level of sense in that you have that time apart. It's more familiar. He knows he played for Wenger as yeah. well, I guess. That, yeah. And There's no real call that Wenger will be like, No, and come also, back. <laughs> I kind of think, for good or worse, Arteta probably would tell him to do one if he... Yeah, or he'd have a word with someone at the club. I definitely feel confident saying that. I've, I've said before, that it's not nice, but you benefited from you've seen the decline under Wenger as well, where they never saw it under Fergie, so no. they still got the memory of winning the league with him. There, there's, there was this thought that there was a complete kind of cut, and 
it's only one of those little athletic tidbits lately that's like, did we need to know this? But they put these, there's this kind of like big mural of Wenger when you enter the training facility and apparently kind of like the this is Anfield thing that the players tap it on their way out. Yeah. Supposedly the players, they kind of give this Wenger like thing a little, a little tap on the way in. But it's literally him like this and there's yeah. a quote from him like this. If there's one thing you can guarantee from this club, um, they'll give you the opportunity to get every ounce of your ability out or something like this. But I think they're trying to go all in and like the Arsenal DNA has you here a lot. Imagine Wenger would probably watch a, an Arteta training session being like, this is not what I meant, Miguel. No. This is not <laughs> what I meant. No, I'm quite looking forward to this documentary though. It does. It's going to create a lot of people like, I can't believe you wanted that manager gone when... Yeah, apparently there is, um, there is a half-decent bit of time spent on the decline as well. Quite good, it didn't changing. come to cinemas round here. When you look, the Fergie one came here, the, the Maradona one was one of my favourite cinema experiences. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that. yeah, phenomenal. So I was really gutted the Wenger one didn't come, but... Uh, Slightly less coke in this one, I think. So. Yeah, well, maybe that was why Wenger was getting through. <laughs> Certainly, he's explained how he maintained his build the whole time. No, no food, just drugs. He was playing at centre-back with Desai the week. <laughs> that is wild. Um because he has that quote where he says about sending Zidane for a hot dog and I was like I don't know how Wenger even knows this I love, quote. <laughs> I, love I love when Wenger comes up with something like that because it so just doesn't match up with his sort of like geeky persona it's perfect alright if we go on to the UFC next then so Max Holloway did what Max Holloway does mm. uh, this weekend against Yaya Rodriguez in Troy's boy if you take a real trip back on the podcast yeah yeah um, okay, he's going to call his son yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess the conventional thinking when a fight has been defeated, whether that's inverted commas or not, twice by the champion, is that they're never really going to get a look at the belt again until someone else holds the title. That doesn't really apply to Max Holloway. You look, he defeated Yair by unanimous decision on the main event on Saturday. That's two straight victories now over top five featherweights after he defeated Calvin Cater before. Volkanovski's also doing his part to clear out the division. When you look at potential other challengers for Volk Brian Ortega's two months ago just been battered by him um, Korean Zombies won three of his last four but lost to Brian Ortega last year Calvin yep. Cater lost to Holloway in January those three right there plus Holloway and Yair make your top five yeah 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 yeah. it's, it's like one of those where it's a really good crop of contenders and yet Max and Volk are the only ones you really want yeah. to see now isn't it what what did you make? So they asked um, Max, obviously, so kind of a triple-edged question here. They asked Max in the octagon, what do you want next? They asked Dana after, what's next for Max? Dana seemed almost perplexed by the mere mention of a McGregor fight. Yeah, I mean, if, if Connor doesn't put out his thing of watching it and being invested in it, I probably wouldn't have thought about it much. It makes some level of sense now you think about it, but... I hadn't thought of it prior to him putting the, that weird pacing video <laughs> But the, the Conor one's baffling because, and I don't want to make this a Conor McGregor topic, but... we got to keep those listeners in. Well, you start to narrow down, like, who are you going to fight? And, like, I'd, as much as people that hate him might want to see it, I, I saw Chimaev calling him out at the weekend, and it's like, well, that's never McGregor? happened. Yeah. Blimey. Um the Usman one keeps getting mentioned it's like that's not happening um, the Nate thing supposedly they seem to have no interest in making which for me is still the most blatantly obvious trilogy Crazy. to complete yeah. the fact it's 1-1 they make trilogies in the UFC when it's 2-0 as we're talking about now yeah yeah, and, and 
seems, I think, for the first time, the perfect timing for both. Yeah. Connor needs a it fight. They can't get really a title fight. It really baffles me that... They, Nate has supposedly has his one fight left with the UFC. Should, yeah. They'd want it to be a big one. Yeah, it really spins me out. Um, so what did you think? Because there's a lot of criticism. I saw some say the only thing Max did wrong here was not call his shot. What he did was let the UFC essentially say, do what you want with me. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, he didn't. I Essentially, and maybe I've been listening to Chael too much, but essentially when they ask you what you want next and you give a vague answer, you give like anyone or whatever, uh, it's never quite... But then that, that is kind of max. I don't think he necessarily does rarely do a call-out. He's not really no. going to shoot a promo. And his thing of... Uh, like, this is the blessed era that them call me out or yeah. something. It was kind of cool. The blessed ever. But, um, yeah, he, he maybe could have. Because let's face it, I I found it baffling. There was a conversation as to what's next. I thought him and Volk is, is the obvious all round. Yeah. I, as, uh, they say that 2-0. You I'm can make the sure. argument is one all. I'm not sure if sells Ma- it enough. I'm not sure if Max fancies it is what made me think. Because mm. he's had numerous opportunities to mention it this week and he kind of said, look, I've got I've got plenty of options on the table. The boxing one's irritating and Dana reacted to that as he should have. He was like, the next one of you that asked me a fucking boxing question, <laughs> I'm going to throw this at you. <laughs> but yeah, with Max, the Volk one makes the most sense, I think is mm-hmm. the point. Yep. When you start looking for maybe fights you'd prefer, they really make no sense. Just that they're literally fights for the sake of, this yeah. would be fun for me to watch. Yeah. So I really don't know. I don't know if it's he just chooses not to defend the calf kick or if he just thinks he can just carry on because Volk is absolutely going to do that in a rematch. Oh, for sure. More so. And he's, it seems either, yeah, he doesn't know how to defend it or he just plods on because he seems fine. Like <laughs> I think because he's survived it, it's kind of the worst thing that could happen to him is that he can get through it. I guess it's kind of like back in his chin. Yeah. But he doesn't need to, but he knows what He well, took look, some licks I on Saturday. Be- yeah, yeah. I saw a few more people um, sort of questioning that more than I expected. Like, I thought it was a good performance. Two really good strikers, basically, who are going to land on each other. I saw people saying, oh, he's taking too many or whatever. I was like, I don't know. I think that's just, you're in with Yaya. You're going to yeah. have a certain amount. I saw someone else point out that after the loss to uh, Dustin, hmm. there, was a, there was a large portion of us that, if you didn't think he was done, you were at least worried about it. You thought the decline might have started because at least. Mm. we know he'd gone up in weight. Maybe he didn't do the weight particularly well in terms of actually bulking up to it. But he was rocked more times than you could dream of without getting knocked out in that first round. And then I think he had a kind of step off performance against Frankie Edgar, where he could have stopped him in the third and then kind of took his foot off the gas, like maybe he didn't want to get clipped. So I don't know. I think people were worried, and then he came out against Ortega and was like. Roy Jones Jr., you must have forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's up there with Triple G in terms... It's probably... I actually think his chin's better than Triple G's. I mean, he's he's taking it from smaller guys, but Mm. just in... He's taking shins to the dome, like, and he walks through it. (laughs) And also, you know, it doesn't always look like it, but Triple G G does roll shots when he's coming in as well, whereas Matt does just take some and carry on coming forward with smaller gloves as well. Yeah, it's... Do you think they do the Volk one next? I think Dana kind of said, like, if I'm Volk, I kind of look at Max and I'm like, I've got to get you out of the way. I think they land on it by elimination as much as anything as well. Yeah, I, f- I think Volk, yeah, oddly, seems to kind of want it a little bit more than Max. And you're certainly outwardly, I'm sure Max will happen. I think outwardly. it annoys him that 
people still refer to Max as arguably the greatest featherweight of all time. And yeah, he's beaten him he's twice. Beaten him twice. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. The first one, I th- I think is is very fair. The second one, I do remember thinking like Max won yeah. that fight, and yeah. I remember it, I, there was a banger on after, and I remember us both cut, sat there like doesn't really do much for me. Just kind of ruined it. Like, yeah, yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, That's the other problem you got with Max is that it looks like it's hard for him to make that weight, but we have also seen him in the weight above. I, you say about he didn't do the yeah. weight great, but I do think it would be tough for him. Yeah, bigger guys, not even, thicker guys. I just, I, it was a sudden move up, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. I have no, like he's not said anything about it. It just, he was reacting to shots more than I expected him to. I remember looking at he didn't him look as poor, slick. Poor, yeah, just look like just that, that big guy, that thicker set. Then he came on strong in that one, didn't he? He, he, he arguably won uh, the last. I mean, look, you could two you rounds. could run that back if Poirier won, beats Oliveira. I, I don't. I wouldn't have any problem with Holloway Poirier too. If, if I'm if I'm Max, I hope. Chucky Olives, as Dan Hooker says, wins because he has a win over Oliveira. Right, right, right. He knocked him out, I believe. Nice. Um, at, at, at featherweight, so. If I'm him, I probably wait. And if he has that, then I say, "Go on, then let's do it." Get yeah. me there. I mean, it, it would be hard to justify going above Gaethje and yeah, yeah. Makachev will be in there. Mm. The way Bisping was saying Makachev on Saturday <laughs> was making me like, <laughs> making me anxious here. And that he says Makachev. He's saying that, and then um, listen to Chael saying um, Alex Pereira's name. Pierre <laughs> yeah, like, or something I think yeah. he calls him like that is just nowhere near so like the interview I saw him an old Chael interview and I think it may have been he's calling out Wanderlei Silva so I'm not sure who he's just beaten but he says in there look I've just beaten a uh, Joe Rogan tries to cut him off yes yeah he's like, I've just beaten a two time UFC champion if you think I'll hesitate to take out a middle aged comedian <laughs> that's when he <laughs> that's says the, uh, I didn't know they could uh, stack crap that high about what a guy. Day. What a guy. I can't let you get close. <laughs> but yeah, Max, I think... I think he needs to be maybe less open than he made out to be. So in, in the sense of, say, all right, it's either a title shot here, it's a title shot there. Yeah, yeah, nail it down, I think. Or if you really want to give him some kind of BMF, whatever to give him something that's going to interest him because he's shown he'll show up like mm. did you ever see the behind the scenes of the Cater fight with Dana pacing during the fifth round where he's saying to the commissioner he's like do not let them interview him he's like get that kid in an ambulance straight away and he says this reminds me of those fights where they walk out of the cage and they just collapse and die after this he's Christ. like I've never seen someone take a beating like this and he's kind of saying to Cater after, he's like, why didn't you just go down? And he's like, I'm not taking a knee for nobody. Christ. And he's like, I respect that, but I'm getting you in an ambulance now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that you see what Max can do. And he even put a beating on Yair at times, but Yair was just, he had more fight in him than I thought he had. Yeah, I think there are a couple of instances in there where I think people thought he probably wilt. Was it the third round where he took him down? He was in full mount and he nearly had the head and arm. Yeah, I think. And I was like, okay, yeah, this. Is... I think Abyss being alluded to it a couple of times with the body language in there as well. I think he was saying, "Are oh, we looking for?" Well, well there was the he, one he rallied. Where, do you remember when they tried giving him the step up and he they put him with Frankie Edgar 
and Frank yeah. Edgar took him down and it was rough and his eye was swollen and he kind of he got it didn't get out the corner pulled him because his eye was swollen shut but yeah. he looked like oh, I could have done with that yeah yeah he didn't look like he was fighting no so it, was, it was interesting I mean alongside that you've got Leon Edwards they showed that big pay-per-view schedule and the cards stacked especially when you thought you had Leon Edwards against Masvidal in the middle of that Masvidal pulls out with an undisclosed injury um, shocking conspiracy theorists I think after Colby said look you need to pull out I think maybe you see the buzz Colby had the week before and think there's probably more money in this for me there seems to be no real down the middle here for Leon in terms of kind of the couch managers and it's like some are saying you're absolutely mental to just not take a fight here. And others are like, well, no, he's absolutely right. There's hardly any contenders for Usman. You sit out and just wait for your shot. Yeah. From my time of watching the UFC, it's never served someone well to sit out and wait for a title that is, shot. That is the issue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Particularly when you'd imagine they're doing all they can to get Chimaev to the title shot. Now, I do think they aren't stupid and they're going to give him a Michael Chiesa. A, a Gilbert Burns is they're actually trying to make it at the moment, apparently. Yeah. Okay. And Gilbert Burns is ranked number three. So you think if he beats Gilbert Burns, then the Chimaev hype. Like There's people who I wouldn't didn't even know followed UFC that were tweeting during the last event. This Chimaev is... It is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, they've, they've crazy. So been able to sell him well. They aren't going to rush to get Leon to a title shot there, particularly the fact he's lost to Usman before already. That is that is one of the issues, isn't it? Um, as well as the fact he's not a huge sell, not always the most entertaining. Although that Nate fight might have helped to cause a little bit. I think it's actually right gone the opposite way, yeah, because people were like, oh, you got rock people. Oh, Nate really won that fight when... Yeah. Like, he, uh, he, won, he won the match, Nate won the fight and all of this. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys that doesn't enjoy fighting, which there's nothing wrong with. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. he doesn't ever put his foot on the pedal to get someone out of there. No, that's it. He doesn't ever, and I, I feel like an idiot just saying this, he doesn't ever put himself in like in, 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 in danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had that in my head and I thought this doesn't sound right. Um, yeah, he doesn't ever put himself in a position of danger to really put on a show or anything like that, which is how you're supposed to be, but with the UFC when you don't have a single promoter like your opponent's being promoted by the same guy yeah it's you don't have someone going out for you saying how slick you are and this and that because that isn't selling pay-per-views no and he's ultimately the highest risk least reward guy in the division in a division where you've got people Americans hate him yeah I've it's seen crazy this, this 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 the spitballing timeline and it and I've bitten at people before and I have to stop People really, really hate him. Yeah, yeah. Um, they say they they make it he's terrible. Um, doesn't deserve any title shots or anything. I mean, the same people are telling you that Makachev deserves a title shot. Oh, when, um, crazy. Leon's uh, resume is better than that, but I was looking at the rankings, and it is a bit difficult at welterweight. But before some of these others were booked, he should maybe have said, "Look, I'm not fighting Chimaev." I'll fight a Ponzinibbio. Mm. I'll fight someone else ranked. But then he said he wouldn't fight Gilbert Burns too, which I, I think is the right call. But he's saying I'll have Masvidal or Usman. Okay. 
I think he should have tried to stay on the card and style on someone and really put on a show because it doesn't really matter who it's against. As long as that person has a ranking next to their name or some kind of hype. Yeah, I, I think he's got it, hasn't he? I think he's got to stay on the card. Uh, I saw Nick Diaz call him out. I, I don't think Dana's doing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Leon, Leon should be licking his lips Nick if he Nick Diaz makes called up. out Jemayev as well. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> Nick must have been the only one who didn't see us last <laughs> fight. The... Yeah, that's the issue with Leon is that he kind of he has to stay out there because they they will try and forget him if they can. Well, he he's already beaten Luke. Yep. Burns is boring as hell. Chimaev. They they essentially stripped Leon's ranking before just to make him take that fight, if you recall, um, last Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lawler or Nick Diaz is a non-starter, really. Unless you can somehow talk Till into dropping down and fighting you, which I don't think is ever happening. No. I don't really see either... You, you've really got to wait because you're going to be waiting a while. Because... Man, they may make Colby 3 before they make before they put Burns in there. Yeah. I think he's going to be bullied into fighting someone, but... I think he might be bullied into fighting Chimaev. Yeah, I think, I think probably well, I, where it is. I I think they tried that, and I think Leon put a statement out pretty quickly. Like, look, I'm going to enjoy Christmas with my family now. Um, this and that, and it's like, right. I think his management team, which is uh, Paradigm McGregor's, uh, yeah, have done a real horrible job because you look at what Masvidal's team do for him, and he's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And Leon is a bit shy, but when you get him going, his shit talk is quite good. I think we've got more out of shyer characters. I think we've had vibes before where you thought he's not got much about him and then slowly came out of his shower and you just thought, okay, we just needed well, remember, to be introduced to him a bit more. I remember when, so he fought Gunnar Nelson on the Till Wonderboy card. Yeah. And the Wonderboy barely said a word at the presser because Till and Leon were just going back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Leon would be like that on Masvidal as well, but... And it's like it with Burns, to be fair, but his trash talk with Burns is like, you're so shit and boring, why would I fight you? And I don't actually begrudge that one because Burns did the exact same to him, which is why I know he's... Oh, so Burns calling him out after when... Burns like, well, I have the title shot. Why would I fight you? Yes. And so Edwards is trying yeah. to say the same, but Dana, probably because of uh, the management team Burns has, literally came out and was like, he's the next guy. But like that, before um, Wonderboy lost to Burns, Wonderboy was calling Leon out, and Leon was like, no, I'm not fighting you. Yeah, that seems. I mean that's badly advised. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's frustrating the, as a fan of him. Yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? And I think. We think he's good, and he, if you back yourself, you you've probably got to stay active and throw whoever they throw at you, and back that you'll win. And then, I mean, he's got it. He should be getting a title shot next anyway. But you, if you've got to force it, as he's going to have to, then then you you've got a much better chance of doing it by staying on the card it's than by not. He's not someone who's going to stay inactive and, and just call his shot. No, and another fighter that you're not too sure what to do next with, and that's Canelo. Um, Beat Caleb Plant last weekend. Got the weekend opposite before. problem to yeah. Live. Last weekend, um, 
and now the talk is around who his next opponent is going to be. Um, David Benavidez and uh, Jamie Munguia both won on Saturday. They were both mentioned as uh, future Canelo opponents. Benavidez more than Munguia, who seems to be going the Triple G route. Um, Eddie Hearn was interviewed today, and you might want to leave the room for this. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Um, he says again how he has a great relationship with Canelo. He'd love to be promoted his next fight. And he said he would like it to be one of three fighters. I've got a thing I know who one of them is that you're going to say. Gennady Golovkin. Yeah. Dmitry Bivol. I think I know the first one. And John Ryder. Yeah, this John Ryder. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think I saw it on a... It was like a boxing news page, but it wasn't boxing news. It was like Boxing 24, maybe something like that. Yeah. And even the article was like, one name that does stand out among the others is obviously John Ryder. But Hearn seems to think that he can sell out a stadium over here with Canelo. And I think he may be mistaken. With John Ryder, I think he might. No disrespect to John no, Ryder. No. He's a good fight and a, seems a good guy. But If you're going to do that, then you do that for Callum Smith fight, who you sell as being the big... Yeah, you can say, is he going to be able guy. to deal with this guy? Probably got a better chance doing it with the Billy Joe Saunders fight just because there's enough people that follow yeah, him that and the see. others want to see him get battered yeah yeah. Um, people were shocked that others enjoyed seeing Kid Galahad get battered on mad Saturday, isn't it and it's like oh he's a nice guy away from the cameras well we don't see him away from the cameras and he's an asshole in front of the camera so yeah he's, he's either perceived as an asshole or boring yeah and everybody thinks he's a drug cheat. yeah even though his brother just spiked his drink. So I don't Who, know why people keep I saying saw this. His brother was incarcerated at the time, as he said he, <laughs> he spiked his drink, which is where the story kind of fell through. <laughs> um, yeah. Interesting that he didn't mention Baturbiev. I think that's telling. When I think if you ask most people that know all of these people, that's the one that really gets your juices flowing. That gets your juices flowing, yeah, massively. It's... Uh, yeah, he's, he's in a tricky spot now because the, you know, the, we'll see how Golovkin looks against Morata. But if he looks anywhere close to back to his best, you know, not, not going to get back to your best, but close, I think the, the third fight is fine. I think Fury Wilder's helped a lot with that. Yeah. Because everyone yeah. was like, we don't need to see this. Oh shit, that was actually incredible. Yeah, so... Would you have an issue if you woke up tomorrow and they'd booked Canelo against Joe Smith Jr.? Light heavyweight champion... I wouldn't hate it. And he's Joe Smith's, you know, can bang a bit. He's fairly fun. I would probably rather, it's a different fight, maybe not as fun to watch, but him against Bivol does have some interest yeah. in that someone can box. He's, but it's, yeah, he's got a tricky thing where he's got a lot of good contenders, but well, no seems- one who you would pick other than Baturbiev, you'd go, okay, this guy's freakishly powerful, bigger than him. Because Bivol doesn't this- really seem to like to throw lately. No. Um, no. Hearns seemed to speak up that he thinks and wants Canelo to go for undisputed at 175. Right. Which means Baturbiev is probably your end boss there. Yeah. So that's where Scary. I wouldn't have such an issue with Joe Smith Jr. I like heavyweight. I mean, I, I like the Joe Smith Jr. fight more than I like the John Ryder fight. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I probably like it more than David Benavidez fight because I. I don't see much with that. The Munguia one would be fun, but it's not going to last very long because the guy doesn't move his head. No. I I, I want to see Munguia in there with Golovkin more than I want to see Canelo in there with Munguia. Yeah, it could be rock'em sock'em, couldn't it? Munguia and Golovkin. I think it makes, let's face it, that 
everyone's got a bit carried away with the Munguir and Benavidez hype this weekend, yeah. I think. I don't think before this weekend we were all desperately calling for it. And- M- Munguir Triple G is one that, I mean, the, remember the first time we heard of um, Munguir was when they wanted him to step in to face Triple G and then Loeffler and co were quite rightly like, that guy's freakishly big and I know nothing about him. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I'll think about this one actually. Yeah, that was good management. Um, and they benefit from the, the Mexican thing, isn't it? Basically, yeah. the Mexican fire is always going to get linked with Canelo. The, the support he had on Saturday shocked me, Munguia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It was really loud for him. One of those that's growing as well, I think, in terms of well, I think the fan base. When you fight like that, as soon as people see you... Just need you out enough times yeah, that and, people and, will get and the support isn't even so much that they're desperate to see you win, they're just desperate to see you fight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that definitely helps. What do you want next and what do you think is next? I want Batibiev next. Um, what do I think will be next? Well, the, the other interesting thing here is Hearn has just touted his clients there because obviously the other ones aren't linked. And Canelo doesn't have a the way he has to deal with her and he can so go separately. Reynoso said again on Saturday, we'll work with anyone. Yeah, that that is it. So I, I think as much as everyone laughs at Hearn trying to be his mate, I think he does like Hearn working with him. I think he probably has been attempted to be shouted by pic- the promoters. He's taking pictures, cuddling with him yeah. in <laughs> buying him pyjamas. Yeah, very odd. So I think he probably, that would be his preference, but he will go wherever uh, to make the fights. So... I think, really, actually, that the Golovkin trilogy would be the preference, but with him fighting at the end of December, I imagine it's not going to be an easy fight with Murata, he'll need enough time out that that maybe won't be next. So, I think maybe Canelo Bivol for a portion of that title, I think. Yeah, I I don't think we're going to see Golovkin approach that like Lemieux, for example, which is probably how he should approach... um, Murata. I think he is going to get in there and I'll take you out before you take me out, yeah. which is going to be great for us. But yeah, not great for then a quick turnaround if you're going to fight. Because Not great for, what is he, 40 now? He's yeah, pushing well, much 40. like Fury Wilder is, I'll still happily tune in to see it, but I'm also going in with little to no expectation that my guy wins yeah. that fight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll just be, please don't get stopped because that would be very depressing. And that that would be probably even more so than the Fury Wilder um, thing with comparing it to Pacquiao Marquez, where you go in with the rationale, well, well, the first two have been nothing but great, so why would the third (laughs) be any different? So it should, as much as you would instantly be hyped, I think you could talk yourself into it quite well. Yeah. Um, And if we close out with some NFL today then, so we're now 10 weeks in the NFL season, I've essentially got a number of talking points through 10 weeks, um, some more recent news, and uh, go from there. So something we spoke about in our group chat yesterday, um, the main talking point really of yesterday is uh, New England Patriots Mm. flying. Um, I saw a journalist say uh, kind of the idea that the Pats shouldn't be good and that this is some kind of wild mystery that they are is, is very bizarre when you think, they're still the best coach team in the NFL um, and they ultimately could compete with any team on any given Sunday. Um, Belichick's legacy was already cemented, yet somehow 
the last couple of weeks, people have decided, like, you know what, if he could win or at least do well with this team, that's like another, yeah, a, another kind of look up because the season they had after Brady left, people, I mean, some were going completely over the edge, like this guy was never good. This guy, like Brady, made this man. Yeah. And you look at the, this young team they've got; um, they're far better than the six and four record that they've got, and they kind of I guess they showed that by beating down the Browns 45-7, who, when they are bad, they are yeah, it very does, bad. It doesn't unravel quickly for them. So the comparison that's been brought up is with the 2020 Bucks. Um, Blimey. Tampa Bay were 7-3 and three at the end of week 10, compared to the 6-4 and four that you've got now. Um, they also had some pretty rough losses to the Saints and the Bears, they were seven and five then at the bye week, and then obviously after that, they just dominated the back half of the season, um, finished eleven and five, and won the Super Bowl. Hmm. Um, I don't think anyone's saying that the the Pats are going to do that, but they're at least being spoken about now as like we could see we could get a fun playoff run out of this team. Yeah, I mean, bearing in mind at one point in the season, saying the Patriots were a playoff team would have been seen as a bit, I think they're borderline there. So I think most people feel confident they'll be involved. Uh, There is obviously such thing as peaking at the right time and they appear to be, like you said, even if they don't do a Bucks run, it looks like that sort of thing where they appear to have worked things out. Uh, I'm not quite as hot on them as some people, only in that, I feel like Belichick's coach... Blimey, we're tuning up already. Um, I feel like Belichick's coaching is getting as much out of them as is possible. But I do think a more dynamic team on a given day will be able to deal with them. I don't think they've got enough in the locker to be able to be able to beat, to overcome certain teams. Like you said, they, their Browns performance was impressive, but the Browns can fall apart. And I do think the uh, the Matt Jones thing is one of those things where people have made their mind up on him already and are probably realising actually he's probably quite good. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think they've already decided no, no, he's just a basic quarterback who's never going to be this great and all these other guys, okay, they're a bit up and down but they've got higher ceilings than him. Whereas in truth, if you can yeah. get in the right system like Belichick, then maybe Matt Jones is the right option out of all of them. Maguire opened a scoring by the way than it was at own goal. Um, with with that, with the, with the Matt Jones thing, he looks just like a safe pair of hands compared mm. to the others. Like he, You don't even have the rookie thing where you're like, okay, the interception probably is going to come at some point. He looks... When you think there was a debate as to whether it should be him or Cam Newton and some outlets were quite put out by the fact that they picked him over Cam Newton, it looks, it looks a great choice to make because... He seems to be getting better each week. Seems to be more composed each Growing week. confidence for sure. Yeah, they they they've done well, and I mean, people say, and he, he does make some good throws. It's not like he's just you know. No. The the one we always go back to is um, Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl win, yeah. where it was like, you look at them and you're like, I could probably make these throws. <laughs> we couldn't, but you yeah. look at them and they they look like you were just running like the quick pass on Madden and you just. He's playing a pretty basic sort of game plan, but the the rest of the team's so well built. Yeah, that this this he, he, he's fun to watch. The parts are fun to watch, and it changes very quickly. Maybe it's because Brady's doing well elsewhere, and 
the Bucks seem more hateable at this stage. <laughs> I quite enjoy watching the Pats when they're on TV. I don't begrudge them even when they're winning at this stage. Like, I th- I think they still they no longer have the the thing of feeling inevitable and being the favourite. So I think because they've had a not bad year but a, a down year last year, you don't have that hate reserved for them that you once did. I don't know how you feel about this. I felt that when Brady left and went to uh, the Bucks, that Brady left and he felt like the good guy to me and uh, Belichick and the Pats felt like the bad guy, even for as bad as they were doing. When I see them now, I find it easier to root for the Pats than I would find it to root for Brady they they now feel like the bad guy to me. The way that roster is stacked, the way they just add piece after piece after piece. If it was a Pats Bucks Super Bowl, I would prefer the Pats won it. Yeah, for example. Yeah, I, the view you had about Brady being the good guy and and the Pats and Belichick being the bad guy was the widely held view. I agree with that in principle, and yet when I watched them, I want Brady to lose no matter what. And I kind of I think probably deep down. I probably hate Brady more. Yeah. Like, I think it might have been Brady the whole time. Well, that 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 summer when I when we first went into the lockdown, I was doing the podcast where I was just getting any man and their dog on, and I had the set group of questions. And one of them I asked was, um, "Are you Brady over Bill or Bill over Brady? Which one yeah. do you root for in the absence of the other?" Most people said they're rooting for Brady over mm-hmm. over Bill. And I'd, I'd be interested to see how the same people. Imagine it's not an easy guy to root for. But, no, uh, but I guess we kind of thought it might be a fun little thing with Brady going somewhere else, and we wouldn't have to worry about him too much. And then you see Gronk catching a touchdown, <laughs> and them two celebrating against your team, and it all just comes rushing back. Yeah, it, it, I do recognise a large part of my bitterness is probably them beating the Packers in the NFC Championship <laughs> game in the manner they did. That is probably the game, a lot of where it's the born game that of. made The game that made me a Packers fan, much like me becoming a Knicks fan on the back of them losing. Don't, don't. Um, Cam Newton is back, um, used very sparingly yesterday, which you wouldn't know based off the headlines that came out of the game. No. Um, but he, I guess he made the most of every second he was on there. Um came into the team 48 hours before he was leading the huddles um i saw it described as the panthers were just happy to see an offensive player taking some accountability mm. uh, i don't think sam donald is a particularly popular man there don't think he's the guy um their next three games are against teams with losing records so they could keep things going for a little while I do think it's important to say that seven to ten snaps with Cam Newton is a lot different to him being your starting quarterback for two months. And there's probably a reason that no other team was really jumping to get him in there. Yeah, some people will learn that with Cam as well because, oh wow, the um, because every, every time, like you said, if, if you didn't know, you'd have thought he'd played the whole game and he'd be the star. And in truth, he, he just like that on Red Star. So, yeah, on some moments. <laughs> And this is sort of like, especially Cam now, this is his ceiling. You can't have him the whole time. He's just going to give you moments and you just got to try and maximise those and limit the other side of it. No, he, he brings um, a certain level of competence in, like, you at least know that he knows what he's doing. Yes. After those three games against teams with losing records, they do have then the Bills, Bucks, Saints and the Bucks again, back to back. 
So right, that, that, that those. yeah, that could very quickly. That was, a, that was a good win against the Cardinals. I know they had, they got their own issues, but that was the nature of the win. I thought was impressive. Yeah. Um, so we've just said Cam Newton was back. Um, is Mahomes back? Is another big question. I think you look at the score yesterday, and you may be asked what were people so worried about when it came to the Chiefs clicking. Um, 400 yards and five touchdowns for That's not bad going, Pat Mahomes <laughs> last night. Um, do you read much into it or are they just against a tired Raiders defence? Yeah, and look, we say about the, the Browns can collapse when all goes wrong. The Raiders definitely can. They've shown that regularly. So, it's, this is, it's, it's funny that we've fell on the NFL this week in terms of this is an interesting is that the turning point for the Chiefs or is it a bit of a false dawn uh, I, it says a lot about how fickle the sport is and also how fickle our minds is as fans I kind of feel like they're maybe but I feel like their blip might be over Yeah. Um, because they weren't good against the Packers but they, they won were, they were rubbish yeah terrible. you think if they'd had Aaron Rodgers they've only beat an Aaron Rodgers Packers by 6 points that's not great um, I don't think that touched his hand, by the way. No, I think we've got a, a ropey penalty there. Yeah. But, like um, they're already dead. Just leave them alone, yeah. ref. Um, so I, I think the concerns about the Chiefs have been absolutely right in terms of defensively. Even when they were winning games at the start of the year, they've conceded a whole lot of money, but it was just gunfights, and they happened to come out on top. Yeah, that's what we loved about them. To be fair, yeah, it was great <laughs> to watch. It was they were kind of like with Liverpool, where you accepted, okay, we're attacking. And there's going to be some deficiencies, but there's but it's when that imbalance strikes yeah. that you're conceding too many, and then at some point, offensively, you're not going to score as many points as you think you are, and that's when the crisis starts to build. And it was for the Chiefs, but defensively, they've got better in the last few weeks. And Mahomes, that last obviously, the, what turned out to be the winning touchdown against Green Bay was sort of peak Mahomes sort of stuff. Yeah. And then obviously, this last game is so if he's got his mojo back. And you look at the rest of the teams in the AFC, I feel like we've kind of... I feel there's a feeling that maybe you've kind of left the back door open and they've snuck back in. Because, you know, the likes of the Bills losing to the Jags the other week, you think, like, that's just... Yeah. All those teams where... I know the Bills dealt with the Chiefs earlier in the year, but that does look like well, the Chiefs were in a bad moment and the Bills took advantage because you wouldn't back the Bills, the Ravens... Seems like that where you think I know how good you are, yeah. but just then you just let me down. Like yeah. I love watching the Ravens and Lamar, and then they'll have a game. I can't explain this, and the same with the Bills with Josh Allen. Whereas, and you feel like if you got into the playoffs, Troy the watched get them, them once and became a Ravens fan. Don't blame him; they're yeah. great. And the whereas you feel like as long as the Chiefs can get into the playoffs, you feel like they're the yeah, one yeah. in the AC that you'd back out of all them. You trust them over some of those other teams. Um, so if Cam's back, Baker is very much in the mud, um, mm. after, particularly after yesterday. So the Browns may be the most unpredictable team in the NFL. You genuinely do not know what side is, is going to be turning up um, on a Sunday. They were without Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt yesterday, but I'm not sure you're putting a 47, 45-7 loss on that. No. Mayfield is a conundrum. I've been a long-time supporter of his yeah. since the college days. But part of the 
issue is the inconsistency. So if he wants that contract that he's going to want to have, he's got, I think they, they, they've taken his fifth year option and after that it's contract time. Is he a guy that you feel you can build a franchise behind? You look at the money that the Ravens gave Lamar, you look at the money that the Packers will hope to give to Aaron Rodgers, mm. the money that Brady's going to take in and so on and so on. Do you think you give that money to Baker? I don't think they do. No, I don't. I don't I don't think they trust him fully. And I don't think he's... Um, I think teams now look out on the landscape and think of differing qualities, but there's quarterbacks that are dynamic and give you potential growth and an upside, even if there's some deficiencies where you think, I can I can work around this. Like Kyler Murray isn't perfect, but he's going to give you yeah. so many great games that his ceiling is so much higher than Baker's. And I think they're going to be looking around, people like him and Justin Herbert and something, thinking, even if I can't get one that good, I can do better than Baker. I think part of it, though, is um, much like, as I said, with um, Aaron Ramsdale last week, where he, he came out, missed the ball, and the same, the same people were ready. And they were like, see, this is what you get with him. And I think ever since he... Um, the Texas-Oklahoma game, I'm going to say it was where he stuck the flag in the ground and then before he'd even uh, played a game, he went on um, Cowherd's show and yeah. he was bickering with him. He's had a target on his back, I will yeah. acknowledge. And uh, like you say, he gets scrutiny that other QBs don't. Because he has some games where he just balls out. He is great, and yeah. He, and he doesn't get the credit. He's playing with an injury, which he could set out the season, take his money, but he's playing because he wants this big contract. And I do think he genuinely loves the Cleveland Browns. And I think he's very happy being there. You look at... Uh, what he's had to put up with in and I mean I guess we'll see more with the Rams but I don't think he's had a fun time with um, OBJ there it's not easy is almost it? being kind of forced to target him I thought he re- responded pretty well to the his uh, Odell Beckham's dad putting out that clip of these were all the times he could have connected him and it's oh. And he said, well, yeah, this is his dad. He's going to want for him to do well. I don't blame him. I think that's how it should be. Yeah, I mean, that's a mature answer because that's not an easy spot well, to be no, put Well, no, because, in. look, bring up the catches he's dropping. Yeah, yeah, catches. yeah. And exactly. I say that as someone who was desperate for him to join the Packers. But <laughs> it's like everything that can go wrong for him, I do think does. Yeah, I do I do feel for him a bit. Um, I, I wanted him to do well. I just, I just don't think he's quite... I think he's got enough. Do you think the Browns pe- can do better though? Well, this is the other thing is because they're not going to the do market. bad enough that they're going to get a high draft pick. No, no, and he's and it's not like he's bad. So you're going to win enough games with him that you're a good team. It's just whether you think you can be a great team with him. And the argument has been for a long time that they've got a good roster. So it's and then incumbent on the Q, on the QB because if they say the other pieces are in place, if you're falling short, you're normally going to get the blame. Smith Rowe assist there, baby. Um, Kane of another. With the Bucks, then, we've mentioned them. Now, I saw... There's like some dread in your voice, then. I saw an article on ESPN today, and they were doing kind of overreactions, underreactions. And the statement they put out there is, the Bucks aren't going to win the NFC, let alone the Super Bowl. Um, These people don't learn. It is inevitable. It never helps when you lose to the Washington football team, which still feels baffling to say. Um, And not just by, I mean, losing by 10 points and just because he had 29 
to them isn't a good look in itself. Their second loss in a row, Brady, two interceptions in two games back-to-back. Bruce Arians came out and said, we're a very dumb football team, he said. <laughs> he does not bad, does he? Bruce. Uh, yeah, with the inevitability, as you just said, they still got Antonio Brown, Gronk, Godwin all to come back in. And I'm sure they'll save them just for the playoffs and yeah. they'll come in and it's like, like they never left. The thing, the thing is with them, as long as they make the playoffs, is there anyone you'd pick in a playoff game over them? Like, if, For example, if you looked at the two teams at the minute, as much as it wasn't a great watch, Packers against the Seahawks, the Packers look as rounded a team as you could hope for. And yet if they met the Bucks in the playoffs... I know who I would pick because there's just something there, isn't there? There's something about yeah, them. It's, it's not nice. Is, I'll be honest though. I the only team I'd pick over them at the minute. I I do think I'd pick the Cowboys over them. I think they I think they're a proper team. The, there's two things going against them. They're the Cowboys <laughs> and Mike McCarthy is the only thing. Yeah. Ironically, the coach. And so there's as rounded a team as you could hope for. Zeke looks back to his best. Dak looks. He's yeah. throwing accurate shots that I don't he's think leaving him f- in the game in crunch time and it's like learn your lesson <laughs> yeah yeah they just look I don't know I think they've uh, they finally after all this time look like they've actually cracked a good balanced team and the Bucks obviously have their issues but you, you're battling to overcome on experience yeah. a lot of the time do you see Pete Carroll think he was throwing a flag throwing a flag yesterday through his phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> not that day so if I put you on the spot now and said, who are you picking for the Super Bowl after 10 weeks of the season? Sounds, so. it sounds, it's crazy, isn't it, that probably a week ago, I probably wouldn't have said, the Chiefs are just too leaky, they can't, Mahomes isn't clicking, and now I'm going to go, they're back to their best, they'll do it. <laughs> uh, I, I think, because, in, in theory at least, I'd pick the Bills to beat the Chiefs. In a, in a normal game, I'd pick, I think the Bills are a better team. I think the Ravens might even be. But in a playoff game, I think I think they've they'll be so relieved by this blip that they f- they think they're through it, and Mahomes will hit a run now that I'll still go with the Chiefs. Depressingly, you should go for a repeat of uh, the Chiefs Bucks final, which should never happen in the NFL. Surely the league is kind of yeah. made to be that that never happens, isn't it? Um, common sense tells you the Bucks will figure it out again. I, I do. I've been impressed enough with the Cowboys that I think we'll get... If I had to say, you have to pick two now, I'll go Chiefs-Cowboys Super Bowl. If I said to you... I like the Rams as well, but they've just thrown in a game every now and again. Where like, this doesn't make any sense. How do you lose this? If I said to you, Rogers only missed one game. They coped right without him. This, this defence, without Bakhtiari, has just shut down Kyler Murray, Mahomes and Russell Wilson in consecutive games... You've got what we would like to say the best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. That combination... The running really game is as good as it's been. That Dylan looks a weapon. Aaron Jones, obviously, they've got a good variety between those two. All that should add up. I think I think everything is in place for the Packers to do it. And yet... Last dance. I, I think they'll get to the NFC Championship game and lose, whoever it's to. I think it's almost a hoodoo at this point. I think there's genuinely something about the franchise at this point under Rodgers whether it is that I think they just can't get over the hurdle I think I think they will at some point maybe this is just a classic case of a fan being pessimistic but 
I just don't. I think they, particularly if they run to the Bucks again, I think they get haunted by it. There's just something about you it when they get to that game, it just changes. Get into fourth down, letting Rogers go for it, and he doesn't make it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think Lafleur probably does get in a situation where he has to second guess himself after the one last year. I do think something like that happens, and it also. Not to this extent. This is probably defensively the best Packers team I've seen. And probably the and best in the week run. They were saying how horrible defensively. They look like they've cracked it. But the, we've seen them go on a run before where you say this is a good rounded team. And it gets to the playoffs and it's a different story. Well, usually a week before, suddenly the team just falls apart. Yeah. Bakhtiari, he must miss more games than he plays at this point. Yeah, that's the other thing. They do get banged up at the wrong sort of time, just at the... Time to see. It's always Brady's teams have people coming back, yeah, from injury, and uh, yeah, the Packers always have people like on their last legs. Uh, I probably would, and it's not a very glamorous pick, say the Bills, but that's only because of the teams I've watched, they've probably impressed me the most in terms of both sides of the ball. If I'm gonna sit, I think and they I made the most like any game. Yes. Was like this is the best I've seen a team look. I think they made the most sense in the AFC. I just I can't unsee that Jags game. But if you, you know, if you're talking about a hoodoo for the Packers, then oh god, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Bills will be haunted. Have we got another yeah, pen. I think it is. Yeah, dear lord, Kane's got a hat trick of him. Um, but yeah, that that I felt bad even writing the Packers down, but. Like, again, I think they are the common sense pick in the NFC. It's just in my head, I just can't. I can't no. picture it. No. Um, are you picking them? Are you yeah. Putting your nuts well, on? I mean, I Bills picked, Packers. I I picked the Browns to start with, so I can't really go far wrong. Yeah, you can't point. get much worse. Playing my house money. Um, so yeah, I think that would be my pick. Okay. Right. I think that just about does us for today. We'll have Alex and Jack back next week. Um, so tune in if that's what you want don't if that's not what you want <laughs> uh, Arsenal will have played Liverpool by that point oh Christ yeah Ugh. as a Liverpool fan do you ever get worried to face any team other than Man City uh, worried I don't know if I like I mean I like the injury news I'm seeing from Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> I was I was concerned I thought the West Ham game would be tough maybe didn't think we'd do 3-2 but no. I thought it'd be tough uh yeah, you, you do have that classic thing that all fans do where you can convince yourself enough that you have it. But, yeah, I know what you mean. I, City's the one where I think I'm worried. Other than that, I feel at least a bit optimistic. There was ones in games lately where I've seen where you, you, you're, you're riding your luck and I've thought, the fact that hasn't gone in now, we usually have these when we play Liverpool where like the ball could bobble from the other end of the pitch and somehow, <laughs> somehow go in. Uh, but we'll see how we go. It is. You wouldn't have thought the two teams would be coming in their respective form, would no. you? No, I mean we go above you if we went. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't like that. So many have been on international duty. I, I would have quite liked if we could have had a week with everyone back, preparing whilst we're away. Well, even like the likes of Gabriel coming from South America, yeah. like he's just yeah. got his first call up. That's a hell of a pen by Kane Cross. Yeah, I thought he was going over at first, but anyway, thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. Um, have you seen Old Boy for me to ask you the movie madness question? Old Boy against Limitless? Fuck, I don't think I have actually. So, Old Boy Limitless this week. Oh, nice. Um, so thanks again for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.